Are you looking for truth from God's word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Here's what God says. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So the secular worldview comes against the Christian worldview. Then he says, rejoice and be glad because, here it is, great is your reward, and I'll underline this, in heaven. And you could read the rest of the verse there. So the point is you might not get it here, but you will get it there because God keeps the books. Now there's always a natural tendency that when something does go against you and you're not getting what you want, you get hurt. Especially when someone else comes against you and you're told to be patient and to endure them with patience in that um, unrighteousness that's done to you. It is, it's normal to hurt. And when you hurt, what do you do? You get angry. You want to get even. You want to criticize. You want to fight back. If that's your nature, would you say, uh-huh, with me? Uh-huh. All right, the two of you that are honest admit that. <laughs> now listen carefully to this. When I become that way, based on what we've just learned, I've lost a degree of a reward in heaven when I wasn't patient during that particular time. Now that being the case, ask yourself this question. Is me getting upset because this came against me and I'm not patient, is that worth losing a reward that I could have gotten in heaven? Put the two together here. And then you do the math. It works for all of us. So it's not really worth giving up a reward in heaven, no matter what that person does, because my rewards in heaven are given to me special by God and for his benefit and glory later. Let's look at the third reason. Why to be patient? God's in control and I have to be satisfied with that. God chose to bless us with grace and reward us in the future. But because God also is working things out. Look at the rest of verse 11. He's working things out. It says, you have heard the perseverance of Job. We've studied that already. And seen the end intended by the Lord. And you could underline the phrase intended by the Lord. So God was working things out. That the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Now watch this, folks. If I just took a snapshot at that verse that says that he was merciful and compassionate and I looked at Job as he is hearing for the very first time that he lost his, his, his flock, he lost his livestock, he lost his land, he lost his servants, he lost his kids, he lost his health. Basically, his friends were weird counselors, so they were miserable counselors. He lost all of that. And he didn't even have a wife to come alongside him to refocus him properly on God, so he lost it all. How could you say God is merciful when you see all that God allowed that to happen in his life? It's because there's the rest of the story that's going to happen out over here. And so those of you that are on an early journey that want to beat up on God because how can God let all of this happen? We don't know the end of the story yet. So give God time to work a greater work while he's doing this because God is working things out. There is a big difference between no and not yet. Mom, dad, isn't that not true when you tell your kids no or not yet? When your kids hear that, they sometimes think that not yet is equal to a no. Maybe it's because it is. You're just stalling and you're not parenting up. I don't know. But in reality, there is a big difference between a no and a not yet. 
in our life. Philip Brooks, the famous pastor a century ago, when he was in his office pacing the floor, he was very frustrated and one of his parishioners walked in and asked him, he says, what's the matter, pastor? And Brooks said this, he says, I'm in a hurry, but God isn't, you know, and a lot of truth in that. We are in a hurry, but God's not. Let me tell you a personal story before I go on to my next point. I was 14 years old in the Lord. I was a grown man, but 14 years old in the Lord. In my passion to reach people for Christ, I really sensed that God wanted me to put together a radio program, five minutes a day, five days a week, drive time on Christian radio. I chose to call it Make It Clear. And that program was specifically designed in a five-minute window to explain to the listeners how that they can communicate the gospel, the plan of salvation, correctly, compassionately, clearly to anybody that they would come in contact. And so that was a five-minute program. But to do that, all the big boys had all this equipment, and I had nothing, no money, no nothing. I didn't even know how to do this, except in my heart I wanted to do this. So I looked at some uh, magazines, you know, the, the magazines that have this, and I realized that I needed a microphone, a wire, I needed a mixer for the sound, and I needed to have a tape recorder. In those days, you can see how long ago this was. A tape recorder to be able to record this stuff on and then send it in. Well, I was looking there, and I found out that this tape recorder was a right kind to get, and it was on sale for $1,200. So I thought, that's a pretty good deal. But at the same time in my walk with God, I had good discipling in my life. And they gave me two verses. One verse says, the heart of the authority figure is in the hand of God, Proverbs 21.1. And another verse that says, to honor your mother and father. Even though I was married, I knew that that was to please God, to know his mind and my life. I had to go and find out, what did my dad have to say? Now, my dad was a baby Christian at this time, didn't know anything about radio, knew nothing about technology, nothing, all right, except that he was a good guy with money, wasn't rich, anything like that, but he knew how to have uh, integrity with wise business. So I went to dad and I said, dad, I'm so excited. Here's my vision. Here's what I'd like to do. Here's what I need. I got it on sale. Should I buy this? I was really honestly looking for my dad's affirmation. I wanted him to say, son, you are so wise, you're getting this on sale. You're just like, you know, the chip off the old block. That's not what my dad said. My dad says, well, you shouldn't buy it. I said, why? He said, don't buy it until you have all the money for all the equipment, then go out and get the best deal. I said, but dad, it's on sale. And he says, nope, I, this is what you should do. But you know what, son, whatever you want to do, you go ahead and uh, I love you. It's your decision. You rise and fall on it. Well, I kind of grumbled as I went into the car and headed back to Carol and thought, how could dad do this? But I can't get around Proverbs 21.1 and Ephesians that says I need to honor my dad. So I said, okay. Next month, the next trade journal came in. That very same tape recorder was at $1,200. It dropped down to $800. I was so excited. I went to my dad and I said, dad, you, you are the greatest. I, I, God is so good to give me a dad like you. I mean, I was just you know, exploding with joy. And I said, I, I'm so glad I listened to you. I'm saving $400, so I'm going to go ahead and get this now, okay? And he said, no. I said, what do you mean, no? He said, well, don't you remember our conversation? I said, wait until you have all of the money and then get it all at once at that time. I said, but dad, it's even on sale better. And he says, do whatever you want, son. I love you. You rise and fall on your own decision as a leader. I said, okay. So I went back and I never got enough money to buy that. That was all being done in North Carolina. I arrive in San Antonio. God called us to San Antonio to do a ministry. 
I had no church that called me. I had nothing there except two boys, two cats, a wife, and a little VW van, and we arrived. After we got unpacked, I went to the local radio station, and I thought, maybe I better find out if there's a need for a program like this. When I went to the radio station, the guy behind the desk there, who is the manager and all of this, I said, I have an idea for a five-minute-a-day, five-minute, a five-day-a-week program called Make It Clear. And is that something you can use? As God is my witness, I watched this man stand up from behind his desk, his chair rolled against the wall and he leaned back and he said that's the finest idea of a radio program I have heard in my entire career he said I don't I've never heard of anything like that before when could we get this on I said I don't have all I have the money I just got a little bit here he said you don't need any of that stuff in fact I'm gonna let you use all of our state-of-the-art technology in this radio station in fact I'm gonna give you a key to this office building in which the studio is I'll show you how to use it you can use all of our stuff for free and we'll put you on the air now the rest of the story goes like this we did that been on the air for years it was that ministry that God used as a seed for us then to start a counseling center, a Bible institute that turned into a college, a church, and a lot of other things that went on, all from that one program, all because I was able to use that for free, all because I went back to my dad, all because at that one time I was acting patiently because God was going to work in his timing. The thing that scares me the most, and I'm going to bear my soul, is how many things I messed up because I did run ahead of the Lord. Look at two other verses here, Ephesians 2.13. God is at work within you. Isn't that a great verse? Romans 8.28. And we know that all things, in all things, God is working. So whatever you're fighting God on, He's still working with you. So keep that in mind as you look at these three things. What am I supposed to do while I'm waiting on God? Some of you are a little... I don't know, skeptical now. You're saying, okay, I learned why I should be patient and when I should be patient. But what am I going to do while I am patient? Here they are. Boom, boom, boom. Number one, wait expectantly. It's not where you're going to bite the bullet. You're going to wait expectantly on the Lord. It says, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit. Wait patiently for it until it receives. So in other words, I must expectantly believe that there's going to be an outcome for this in the future. In a paraphrased version of Psalm 130, verse 5, it says this, I wait expectantly, trusting God to help, for He has promised. So what are you waiting for the Lord? Do you have a long-term illness and no sight of being healed? Are you waiting on a transformed marriage? Are you waiting for your teenagers to get right with the Lord? Is there something going on and you're waiting, but you're not waiting with a sense of joy and waiting expectantly means you believe that God is going to take care of you. Now for a moment, let's go back to the farmer illustration. When the farmer plants his seed, prepares the soil, plants his seed, does he then walk away and go out and play for weeks, maybe months, waiting for the, the crop to finally come? Not at all. He's working on his implements, he's getting ready for the next, he's checking the stats, he's making sure that the bugs aren't eating his stuff. He's all the time working. That's patiently working, but he's still working. Now, he can't go up to that corn and say, my goodness, come on, grow, grow, grow. Here, corny, corny, corny. He can't do that. It's got to grow at its own speed. But he doesn't sit down. He's still waiting, expecting that there will be a crop. Now, think about it here in Hawaii. How long do we wait for a pineapple? 18 months for this thing to finally grow. 
I ate one of our pineapples yesterday. 18 months I've watched that thing finally grow. And I ate it without Carol. I feel so guilty we didn't share it. 18 months. But we have to wait expectantly. Some of you are going to be waiting for things for years. Those of you who go fishing, while you're waiting for the fish to bite, you're still doing stuff. So it doesn't mean you quit doing something while you're waiting for your family to change, your job to change. You're doing something. What do you do when you're in traffic? Do you sit and fume? What do you do in traffic? Do you pray? Do you use your cell phone? Illegally? <laughs> so you're laughing. My point simply is this. While we're doing this and we can't move forward, let's wait, expecting this is what God wants in our life. Number two, wait quietly. This is the hard part. It says, do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or with all any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. So James warns us about two things. Number one, he says, don't grumble. Isn't that true? When we are impatient, everybody around us knows, don't they? I mean, we, we try to act real patiently, but we... We're waiting in line and looking all around. What's that? You know, everybody knows. That's grumbling without saying a word. So how is it with you? Do you rise and shine or rise and whine? Because life is always against you. I read a story about a lady who was so grumpy and griped with her husband so much and finally he died and then <laughs> ironically she got a tombstone that said, rest in peace. A couple weeks after that, she went to the lawyer's office to find out about the inheritance and found out that her husband gave $5 to her and the rest of all of his money to his secretary. So she left and went back to the cemetery and she etched below rest in peace until I get there. I don't know where you are, but some of you, it is so very evident that when you are impatient, everybody around you knows. Secondly, don't make a rash promise. Some people make promises much too quickly. Lord, if you, if you open up this for me, I'll do this. If you do this, I'll do that. And you're really not sensing. What you're trying to do is you're trying to manipulate God by making promises. The Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no, no. We can take that in a lot of different applications. But for this one right here, don't try to manipulate God when you're in this problem. What you want to do is say, Lord, I have a block right now. I have to be patient. I can't do anything else about it. So, Lord, it is a, it is a testing. And you say that the trial of my faith, of waiting on you, is more precious than gold. So right now, this is better than if I was rich. So, Lord, don't take this away until every lesson that I need to learn about you and my relationship with you is learned, and then move me to the next level. And I promise you, you'll get to another level, and there'll be another door that'll be closed. Because God is going to continue to test to bring out that patience. And finally, we need to wait confidently. It says, indeed, we count them blessed who endure. Micah 7, 7 says, I will wait confidently for the Lord. So many verses talk about just waiting on God. Hope is holding on. Praying expectantly. Holding on, but praying expectantly. I need to bring this message to a close, but I'd like to speak to those of you who are single here. You know, we're very much of a family church, and we, hear, we talk a lot about marriages. We talk a lot about our kids. We talk a lot about stuff like that. And you singles are often left out. Would you 
mind giving me your, your ear and maybe your heart for just a moment? In this whole scheme of being patient, those who are single, especially the older single ones, they really wrestle with this. Satan buffets their mind and their heart so much. Like, will I, will I be single all my life? Will I ever have children? Will I ever know how to raise a son? Who will take care of me when I'm old? What do other people think? If I go out with another person of the same sex, do they think something? You know, what? what? And so they're, what do I do? And so then they start thinking, well, maybe there's nobody. And so now we begin to play mind games about changing standards a little bit. Well, it's okay if, it's okay but, and maybe this will blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden our impatience takes over and our rational thinking begins to get skewed. And therefore we make decisions on that. And later on we only have the regret of, I wish I only waited. With that in mind, would you listen to this? Because I really love you. And there may be a time in my life that I will be single again. And so I'll be facing the same things that you are. And although I'm not there now, I really do care for you. And you are not a second-class person. You didn't miss the train. Just listen to this. Everyone longs to give themselves completely to someone to have a deep soul relationship with another, to be loved thoroughly and exclusively. But God to the Christian says, no, not until you're satisfied, fulfilled, and content with being loved by me, with giving yourself totally and unreserved to me, to having an intensely personal and unique relationship with me alone. Discovering that only in me is your satisfaction to be found. Will you be capable of the perfect human relationship that I plan for you? You will never be united with another until you're united with me. Exclusive of anyone or anything else. Exclusive of any other desire or longing. I want you to stop planning, stop wishing, and allow me to give you the most thrilling plan existing. One that you cannot imagine. I want you to have the best. Please allow me to bring it to you. You just keep watching me. Expecting the greatest things. Keep listening and learning the things I tell you. You just wait. That's all. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't look around at others and the things they've gotten or that I've given them. Don't look at the things you think you want. You just keep looking off in a way, up to me, or you'll miss what I want to show you. I like this. And when you're ready, I'll surprise you with a love far more wonderful than you could ever imagine. You see, until you're ready, and until the one I have for you is ready, and by the way, I'm working even at this moment to have you both ready at the same time, until you are both satisfied exclusively with me, and the life I prepared for you, you won't be able to experience the love that exemplifies your relationship with me and to enjoy materially and concretely the everlasting union of beauty, perfection, and the love that I offer you. Now that's patience that God can give you. Let's pray. Some of you might be looking at your life right now and you're really sensing that you don't have a God like that in it. Some of you might be looking at your life and you know you're living consequences today 
of impatient choices of yesterday. Some of you really recognize that you've sinned. You sin by your nature and by your choices and actions. We all have, folks. You're in a room full of sinners. You're not exclusive. And because of that sin, that's keeping you separated from God. And God says to you that you'll spend eternity separated from me when you die in a real horrible place. But he says, I love you and I'm going to forgive you of all that sin. And to do that, I'm going to go to a cross and I'm going to die there and shed my blood for you and rise again from the dead. I'll, I'll take your place. And I'll forgive you. But now what you need to do for me to do that is to humble yourself and quit trying to trust yourself or do good deeds to think I'm going to be pleased with you. No, I just want you to come to me as a sinner and completely believe in me as the one who forgive you of your sin. To trust me to give you an eternal relationship with me now and forever in heaven. So you come as you are, the Lord says, and call upon him. Lord, I want to thank you for dying on the cross. I want to thank you that going to heaven is by faith alone and not by good deeds. And so, Lord, I come to you that way. Lord, thank you for being patient with me while I was on this journey where I wandered way off the path, and yet you never forgot me. You still brought people around me. And Lord, I want to thank you that you were patient with me while I began to seek you. So, Lord, thank you for drawing me into that relationship of wanting to know more about you. And now, Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm stepping over the line by faith. I'm trusting you today. Thank you for that everlasting patience, compassion, and mercy for me. Is there anyone in here or listening to me on radio or maybe on tape or downloading off the internet that's ready to trust Christ? If you are, I'd like to know that. So you can either write or call. You trusted Christ as your Savior today. That got you into God's family. Was today the day that you now said, yep, I'm trusting Christ as my forever Savior. He's the Lord God who died on the cross for me. Okay, Christians, for the rest of you right here, yes, we want to be patient. Maybe some of you know that you have been very impatient with a child or children or with a mate or with a parent or with a friend. Maybe right now you need to confess that to the Lord. And you can make all the reasons why you're trying to push him and why you're trying to encourage him, all that. But you know in your heart, God's telling you, you stepped over the line. You went out of bounds. Can you humble yourself and mention that to the Lord with a desire to, to change that by his power and grace? Are some of you still angry with God? You're impatient with him because you prayed so long for a loved one? I mean, you've done everything you could, still hasn't worked, so you called in the big guns, you went on God and tried to get him to do stuff, and that's not working, and so you just live a life of bitterness. Let's just call it what it is. And you put a mask on it, you smile, you know the Christian lingo, you go to church, but you know you haven't been patient with God. You're trying to rush him with a solution, and you want him to solve the problem your way instead of you just resting in him in his way and his timing. What does it have to do with you? 
Would you now take that to the Lord? He loves you and he's patient. He's been patient with you while you're out of bounds with your impatience. And for some of you that have been trying to act patiently and you know that's not working because it's sin management, did you finally get it today? That he's the patient one and he wants to live his life out through you. And so it's doable. So maybe for you, the root of all of this is a continual intimate relationship with him. Living that life that's his life through you. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you are so patient with us. And yet, Father, in our patience, we don't want to get apathetic because we do need to take initiative. We do need to bridge to the unsaved. We do need to move forward in our our giving of our life and our resources. We need to move forward in serving others. But, Lord, at the same time, we rest in you. Thank you, Father, for the example of a farmer, prophets, and Job. Until you come soon, in your name, amen. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.